Section 19 of Secrets of the Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Secrets of the Woods by William J. Long. Section 18. Winter Trails, Part 2. So the interesting chase went on all day skill against keener cunning instinct against finer instinct through the white wonder of the winter woods till late in the afternoon it swung back towards the starting point the deer had undoubtedly intended to begin their yard that day on the ridge i had selected for at noon i crossed the trail of the two from the haystack heading as if by mutual understanding in that direction but the big buck feeling that he was followed cunningly led his charge away from the spot so as to give no hint of the proposed winter quarters to the enemy that was after him just as the long shadows were stretching across all the valleys from hill to hill and the sun vanished into the last gray bank of clouds on the horizon my deer recrossed the old road leaping it as in the morning so as to leave no tell-tale track and climbed the hill to the dense thicket where they had passed the previous night here was my last chance and i studied it deliberately the deer were there safe within the evergreens i had no doubt using their eyes for the open hillside in front of their noses for the woods behind it was useless to attempt stalking from any direction for the cover was so thick that a fox could hardly creep through without alarming ears far less sensitive than a deer's skill had failed their cunning was too much for me i must now try an appeal to curiosity i crept up the hill flat on my face keeping stump or scrub spruce always between me and the thicket on the hilltop the wind was in my favor i had only their eyes to consider somewhere just within the shadow at least one pair were sweeping the back track keenly so I kept well away from it, creeping slowly up till I rested behind a great burned stump within forty yards of my game. There I fastened a red bandana handkerchief to a stick and waved it slowly above the stump. Almost instantly there was a snort and a rustle of bushes in the thicket above me. Peeking out, I saw the evergreens moving nervously. A doe's head appeared, her ears set forward, her eyes glistening. I waved the handkerchief more erratically. My rifle lay across the stump's roots, pointing straight at her. But she was not the game I was hunting. Some more waving and dancing of the bright color, some more nervous twitchings and rustlings in the evergreens, then a whistle and a rush. The doe disappeared, the movement ceased. The thicket was silent as the winter woods behind me. They are just inside, I thought pawing the snow to get their courage up to come and see. So the handkerchief danced on. One, two, five minutes passed in silence. Then something made me turn round. There in plain sight behind me, just this side the fringe of evergreen that lined the old road, stood my three deer in a row. The big buck on the right, like three beautiful statues, their ears all forward, their eyes fixed with interest, curiosity, on the man lying at full length in the snow, 
with the queer red flag above his head. My first motion broke up the pretty tableau. Before I could reach for my rifle, the deer whirled and vanished like three winks, leaving the heavy evergreen tips nodding and blinking behind them in a shower of snow. Tired as I was, I took a last run to see from the trail how it all happened. The deer had been standing just within the thicket as I approached. All three had seen the handkerchief. The tracks showed that they had pawed the snow and moved about nervously. When the leader whistled, they had bounded straight away down the steep on the other side. But the farms lay in that direction, so they had skirted the base of the hill, keeping within the fringe of the woods and heading back for their morning trail, till the red flag caught their eye again, and strong curiosity had halted them for another look. Thus the long hunt ended at twilight, within sight of the spot where it began, in the gray morning stillness. With marvelous cunning the deer circled into their old tracks and followed them till night turned them aside into a thicket. This I discovered at daylight next morning. That day a change came. First a south wind, then in succession a thaw, a mist, a rain turning to snow, a cold wind and a bitter frost. Next day when I entered the woods a brittle crust made silent traveling impossible, and over the rocks and bare places was a sheet of ice covered thinly with snow. I was out all day, less in hope of finding deer than of watching the wild things. But at noon, as I sat eating my lunch, I heard a rapid running, crunch, 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 on the ridge above me. I stole up quietly as I could, to find the fresh trails of my three deer. They were running from fright, evidently, and were very tired, as the short irregular jumps showed. Once where the two leaders cleared a fallen log, the third deer had fallen heavily, and all three trails showed bloodstains where the crust had cut into their legs. I waited there on the trail to see what was following, to give right-of-way to any hunter, but with a good stout stick handy for dealing with dogs which sometimes ran wild in the woods and harried the deer. For a long quarter-hour the woods were all still. Then the jays, which had come whistling up on the trail, flew back screaming and scolding, and a huge yellow mongrel, showing hound's blood in his ears and nose, came slipping, limping, whining over the crest. I waited behind a tree till he was up with me, then I jumped out and caught him a resounding thump on the ribs. As he ran yelping away, I fired my rifle over his head and sent the good club with a vengeance to knock his heels from under him. A fresh outburst of howls inspired me with hope. Perhaps he would remember now to let deer alone for the winter. Above the noise of canine lamentation, I caught the faint click of snowshoes and hit again to catch the cur's owner at his contemptible work, but the sound stopped far back on the trail at the sudden uproar. Through the trees I caught glimpse of a fur cap and a long gun and the hawk face of old Wally, peeking, listening, creeping on the trail, and stepping gingerly at last down the valley, ashamed or afraid of being caught in his unlawful hunting. An ill wind, but it blows me good, I thought, as I took up the trail of the deer, half ashamed myself to take advantage of them when tired by the dogs chasing. There was no need of commiseration, however. Now that the dog was out of the way, they could take care of themselves very well. I found them resting only a short distance ahead. 
but when i attempted to stalk them from leeward the noise of my approach on the crust sent them off with a rush before i caught even a glimpse of them in their thicket i gave up caution then and there i was fresh and the deer were tired why not run them down and get a fair shot before the sun went down and left the woods too dark to see a rifle sight i had heard that the indians used sometimes to try running deer down a foot in the old days here was a chance to try a new experience it was fearfully hard travelling without snowshoes to be sure but that seemed only to even up chances fairly with the deer at the thought i ran on giving no heed when the quarry jumped again just ahead of me but pushing them steadily mile after mile till i realized with a thrill that i was gaining rapidly that their pauses grew more and more frequent and i had constant glimpses of deer ahead among the trees never of the big buck but of the two does who were struggling desperately to follow their leader as he kept well ahead of them breaking the way then realizing i think that he was followed by strength rather than by skill or cunning the noble old fellow tried a last trick which came near being the end of my hunting altogether the trail turned suddenly to a high open ridge with scattered thickets here and there as they labored up the slope i had the does in plain sight on top the snow was light and they bounded ahead with fresh strength the trail led straight along the edge of a cliff beyond which the deer had vanished they had stopped running here i noticed with amazement that they had walked with quick short steps across the open eager for a sight of the buck i saw only the thin powdering of snow i forgot the glare ice that covered the rock beneath the deer's sharp hoofs had clung to the very edge securely. My heedless feet had barely struck the rock when they slipped and I shot over the cliff thirty feet to the rocks below. Even as I fell and the rifle flew from my grasp, I heard the buck's loud whistle from the thicket where he was watching me and then the heavy plunge of the deer as they jumped away. A great drift at the foot of the cliff saved me. I picked myself up, fearfully bruised, but with nothing broken found my rifle and limped away four miles through the woods to the road thinking as i went that i was well served for having delivered the deer from the power of the dog only to take advantage of their long run to secure a head that my skill had failed to win i wondered with an extra twinge in my limp whether i had saved old wally by taking the chase out of his hands unceremoniously above all i wondered and here i would gladly follow another trail over the same ground whether the noble beast grown weary with running his splendid strength failing for the first time and his little long-tended flock ready to give in and have the tragedy over knew just what he was doing in mincing along the cliff's edge with his heedless enemy close behind what did he think and feel looking back from his hiding and what did his loud whistle mean but that is always the despair of studying the wild things when your problem is almost solved night comes and the trail ends when i could walk again easily vacation was over the law was on and the deer were safe end of section nineteen